You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Barkley in, gets by Hunt, going deep. Oh, and he's got him! Shepard inside the 20. Shepard just broke the tackle of Mitchell and takes it down to the four-yard line. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me again is Mike the Cranky Fan. Oh, Grump, great to be back. Been kind of down, out for a little while. I had some uh, issues with my heart, but uh, I thought I'll check out the hospital and everything and feeling better. So a little little recovery time. I won't have the stress of the playoffs to worry about. So it's just, uh, let's remember as bad as the Giants are and as mad as you are, be happy for all your health and realize it's just football and it's just a game and go kiss your wife and your kids and everything and we'll all be good. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, any good that comes from, you know, watching your favorite team win is just a bonus. <laughs> right. Um, that's not, we will not be talking about that today. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's the start and end of that right there. Um, the, the the Giants actually managed to find a way to lose to the Jets, 34-27. Um, I mean, this team is in pretty much complete disarray. I mean, there, there is no excuse for this loss, but I would have predicted uh, – I, I think it's fair to say I would have predicted a much worse game if Nate Solder were out. And something that basically just you and I have been saying. Not, not too many people saying, you know – that Nate Solder is sort of holding things together. <laughs> I mean, at this point, with the with the amount of depth on this team, as bad as he is, it will get worse. And for all the people saying, put you know Eric Smith in there, whatever the hell his name is, he can't be any worse than Nate Solder. Well, there you saw it. Yes, yes, he can. And I always say that yes, he can be worse. So, I mean, Grump. I mean. Look, this is a very, very bad football team. Nothing has changed for how we what we think of this team from before the season started to week two to week seven to week ten. And I think Giant fans, I think you fall into three categories, everybody. One, you've just given up on the season and you've checked out. And that's totally fine. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot of misery every week going through this. Two you still care about wins and losses almost as much as you did if we were a nine and five team right now. And for you people, we'll talk to you in a minute, but there are a lot of you out there that still think that even if not necessarily for the playoffs, but are riding and dying with wins and losses. And the third group, which I think a lot of people listen to this show and what Grump and I try to be are is, we're beyond wins and losses this year. We know this is a bad team. It's are we seeing anything from a system standpoint, an individual's player standpoint that gives us hope for the future? And that's where we are right now. I mean, yeah, it sucks that we lose to Dallas and losing to a, a pathetic team like the Jets. But you know something? We're a bad team. That's not going to change. And bad teams are going to lose to bad teams. And this team has a losers lose stink about them where it's hard to overcome that. 
And I think the bigger problem right now, Grump, is that as smart giant fans who listen to this show, each week you can identify clearer and clearer what's working and what doesn't work on this team. You know, you are seeing that there is zero offensive line depth. You are seeing the cornerbacks are struggling in their first year. You are seeing the ups and downs of a rookie quarterback. But the problem is, in football, unlike baseball or basketball, you really can do nothing about it during the regular season. You can make little changes along the margins, a cut here, a pickup here, blah, blah. Those are not fundamental changes. And the problem is, you can see what's wrong, and you can complain about it every week, but there's nothing that Dave Gettleman or, you know, Pat Shermer or the mayors or anything can really do about it as far as upgrading the talent level. Shermer will get to you in a second, but as far as the biggest thing that people are bitching about right now this week really is, yes, we know this team sucks, but there's really nothing we can do about it. The people who were kind of crying and complaining, and there's not many of them, about moves not being made in the middle of the year, you know, it, it's just kind of silly. Those are the kind of moves – you know, a guy like Josh Gordon becomes available in the middle of the year. Um, that puts a team that's like a wild card team into championship contention. I'm not, even, I'm not even talking about making the moves in the middle of the season. It's more of the you you identify these things that are happening, and it's like, well, the linebackers suck, the linebackers suck, the corners suck, the corners suck. It's like, and it's the frustration that we can't do anything about it. That's what people are getting so pissed about. But that's what I – that's what I'm saying. It doesn't yeah. matter what what happened. Any move that can be made in the middle of the year is not going to put this team into contention. You know, It would have to be the kind of person that you can build around that you were going to make a move for. And those people don't become available in the middle of the season. This isn't basketball. I mean this isn't baseball where those type of blockbuster trades happen. It's not, it's not the way football is. Yeah, and and when they do become available, like a Leonard Williams, another person on the defensive line that can really continue to, you know, build the the defense around. It's a guy just coming off of his rookie contract, and we can argue about whether it's smart to to trade for him before his contract expires or not. But the point is, if they plan on re-signing him, they get first dibs on him before he really hits the market. They're able to talk to his agent. It's not tampering. You know, it. it if that's what their goal is and they're, they're doing all they can, the only thing we can really hope for is that there is a really serious, thorough, internal, uh, I guess, investigation on where the problems are and a priority list being made. I mean that's that's really all you can do now is, is ensure that you are always working and that you are listing out all the possible solutions. And that's all the possible solutions, all possible free agents, you know, all possible draft picks – you know, coaching candidates, whatever, you name it, everything to address whatever issues you have. Dave Gettleman's got to make the decision, uh, probably with the mayors as well. You know, are these problems schematic, coaching decision, or talent? And if, it, if they make the decision that, you know, we don't like the way these guys are being coached up, the changes will make happen sooner than later. But Watching your clock and watching your phone every 15 minutes to see when um, Betcher gets fired today, that, that's not happening today, guys. James Betcher is operating with a bunch of really young guys and a, 
and, and, and you know, two or three guys that are outside of their prime. We said at the beginning of the season, I know they dumped a lot of draft picks into the secondary. Don't be surprised if it's a problem. And it's a problem. But it will get better. I mean, these guys haven't entered their prime yet. The game is moving too fast for the likes of DeAndre Baker and, and Corey Ballantyne who's in there. You know, they're all working together for the first time. Even even the guys that you can build around, like Jabril Peppers and, and Dexter Lawrence, you know, it's going to take time. And then on top of that, there's not a lot of talent around the guys that you're still trying to get talent out of. So I don't think that James Betcher is going anywhere. I mean, he's got at least a decent excuse. I, I think that the problem is twofold. I think, one, when Betcher came in and he, they've done a lot uh, of bringing in guys that are familiar with his system, and they've made a point of talking about that, that the fans expected a more seamless transition into what his defense should be. And the second one is I just think that the patience level is just so low at what rookies are. I think people expected from week a jump from week one to week nine to be like from year one to year five. And that's not the way it works in football, especially not in the NFL. Um, they're still rookies. This isn't even like how it was 10 years ago in the way you used to practice during the regular season and prepare during the offseason. It's not the same. So I think that people had an expectation that, oh, we're, in, we're not just bringing in a coordinator. We're bringing in a system already, and these guys will just be up to speed that quickly. And I think reality is hitting a lot of people in the face right now. I think the reality is it's just not very good. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> We, we need pass rushers on this team. We have Marcus Golden, who thankfully is is looking like his former self. And that was like a gamble pick coming off of injury. Right. Um, but he's looking pretty good. And you know, Lorenzo Carter is just okay. And that's really it on the edge. You know? Yeah. It, it's, this, this team doesn't have the personnel on defense. Offensively, I think that the – a lot of the personnel is there – they're just not good in certain areas, but there's well, there's a deeper issue on offense. Well, let, let's just stop right here. I mean, this is something we said in the offseason, is that, yes, they've made improvements on the offensive line, but this offensive line is very thin. Yeah. And what happens if two or three starters goes down, we will be in the exact same position we were last year. And guess what? Yesterday... We were in the exact same position we were last year where fringe NFL players, if that, are protecting you know, your franchise quarterback, your franchise running back. And that's it. I mean, when you're doing a rebuild, you can't all of a sudden get five new offensive linemen and five quality backups in one year. It sucks, but we are still only at that point. I, I don't even have any words for it. I mean, like, on top of that, you're missing, you know, the the wide receiver you just gave a bunch of money to, your best tight end, and your running back looks like he's moving in cement. I mean, it's pretty clear. I, I, I mean, at this point, I think it's a coaching decision. They should just pull Saquon Barkley. It's not just how it's affecting his third down blocking, which was atrocious in this game, but, I mean, there are times where it looks like, 
you know, a 13-year-old Saquon Barkley could make the move to make it into the hole. Yeah, I mean, it's... He's not able to do it right now. There's nothing to prove anymore. There's no reason for him to be out there. Um, he needs just to get well. And if that means he, they, uh, they sideline him for the rest of the year, so be it. What's the difference at this point? And I'll... I mean, are there any moves that Gettleman has made in the draft? And I say the draft specifically because... Um, because those are obviously pieces you're trying to build around. And I'll include in there big deals such as Golden Tate. Um, I guess, I guess you can throw Nate Solder in there. Is there any in there that was really a, a player that isn't performing at all? Well, what's his name? Sam Beal. And that's because of injury. Yeah, I mean, he actually got some corner time as Janoris Jenkins left with an apparent concussion. I don't know if he was actually officially diagnosed or not. He was in the, the protocol, I think, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's really the only name that comes to mind, and I wouldn't say that was a bad pick. It's just you don't pick people assuming they're going to have injuries. Yeah. And you, quite frankly, we don't really know if it was bad yet because he hasn't done squat. I mean, he finally got some CB work. I don't think he was picked on. Well, I could say, I mean, it's at this point, it's a it's a disappointment. It's disappointing he hasn't gotten on the field in a year and a half. So that's not a a bad pick. It's just just been disappointing and unfortunate. Certainly, yeah. Um, I mean, Nate Solder. You can say that he's not performing, and that's fair. But considering, you know, I, I think Giants fans got a reminder of what life was like with Eric Flowers last week when Solder left. That's what it was like. I mean, every play, constant pressure on the left side. Every single play. That is not what Nate Solder brings to the table. Is he playing well? Definitely not. Um, is he I mean, playing? Is he playing below average, starting NFL quality? Yes. Yeah. He's not playing, you know, fringe NFL player level. No. Yeah. Yeah, and and there are deeper issues on offense. Um, it seems week after week we're seeing wide receivers collide with each other, or it, it's very obvious that somebody is running the wrong route. Brian Baldinger found a, a play where three wide receivers set picks for each other. It was <laughs> ridiculous. And there is definitely some level of lack of coaching happening or or player accountability for paying attention, reading the playbook. I don't know what it is. Well, I guess you know, you might as well talk about it now. I mean yeah. – at some point, there's a culture of losing. You know, I, I call it losers lose. You know, it's the stink of losing. This head coach is a loser. Hmm. And I don't mean that like capital L, you, that you are a big loser. I mean, literally, the guy is a losing coach. He has never won as a head coach. And you're seeing a team now that, you know, are we seeing coherence of an offense, which is his strength? Are we seeing. Stuff at least they're trying to do that just isn't working out. No. We're seeing a very, very poorly coached team. A team almost as bad as how bad Cleveland's being coached right now. Yeah. You know, if there was no Freddie Kitchens, this guy would be the butt of every joke in the league right now as being the bad coach in the league. So, I mean, the question becomes, you know, Yes, he was brought in here to be a quarterback whisperer. He's an offensive-minded guy. They're not expected to win right away. But at what point does the culture of losing just take over so much that, you know, you just have to say, fuck it. 
move on just because we have to clean up what's becoming here. I I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's something we can probably at least talk about. Well, I think think there's a couple of things at play here, and I I think that some coaching staff changes need to be made. I I don't think that Hal Hunter is a very good offensive line coach, and I think it's clear that guys with talent are not – performing well in the offensive line. Will Hernandez, I think, can play better than he's played. Yeah, but we're talking about just very basic things. We're talking, no, like no, you said... I, I, it's more than just that, though. Yeah. Uh, I, I think a real serious conversation needs to be had with Pat Shermer on whether he wants to be a head coach or if he wants to be a coordinator. I think that really needs to, to happen. We all know Mike Shula is not really designing plays for this offense. So it's really Pat Shermer. He's calling the plays, he's designing the plays... And he's also the head coach. Which is it going to be? Because it's clear now that you can't be both. Some yeah. guys can. Most can't. You can't. And you so, know something? This this is the second time in a row we've seen the Giants get a very young, inexperienced guy become head coach and also calling his own plays. And all this responsibility being heaped on one guy. And we're seeing them just completely, you know – doggy paddling just to stay afloat. So I I think the way it will probably work is he'll go up the ladder from he will have play calling removed from him, followed by a coordinator or two or an assistant fired before Shermer gets it. I don't think I know a lot of fans want to see, you know, the mass firings today. It's not happening. I think they'll go up the uh the ladder a little bit. If this was week uh, season three or season four, might be a better chance. But I don't see it this early, them going right to the jugular and getting rid of the head coach. You will see a, a, a procession of moves before that. Well, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Having this conversation with him is, is – is, is, if you want to be an offensive coordinator, fine. You'll have to go find that job somewhere else. If you want to be the head coach, which is what we hired you for, then you need to go find an offensive coordinator and you need to move those responsibilities off of yourself. Concentrate yeah. on getting your team to focus, pay attention. I mean, I guess the one plus you can say is that this team doesn't seem to be overly penalized this year. I mean – For being as young as it is, it really isn't. That's not a bad thing. No, no, that's a good thing. And I think that does speak at least somewhat to coaching, whether it's head coaching or, or below. I, I don't know. Maybe a little bit of both, but – I mean, that's the only play. real – yeah, it, it's it's a little bit – it's the only positive I can really think of that's come from coaching this year. That's pretty much it unless there's something I'm missing. But you know that, that conversation needs to happen and you know if – you know that, that being said, it's a offensive coordinator move needs to made, be made this offseason I think because I don't think that – I think Pat Schirmer has shown enough that he can't be both and – uh they, they need to get him somebody who's actually going to be an offensive coordinator, not, not Mike Shula. Mike Shula is – yeah. Again, I remember my experience watching him in Tampa in the 90s. He was an awful offensive coordinator. Um, I know what he did in Carolina. He was the actual offensive co- play caller in, in Carolina or was he just kind of like a, a specialist? I, I thought he was, but mm, I don't really know. Also had Cam Newton too. Yeah, I mean, also had a really good roster, had a great defense, had a good head coach. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter. I think I think a new quarterbacks coach is in line too. I mean, 
You have a brand new quarterback that's new to the league. He's got some real fundamental issues, all correctable, by the way, all correctable issues, movement in the pocket, uh, you know, holding onto the ball a little bit too long, that sort of thing. But let me ask you. You can't teach. He's already got, but. But let me ask you something, though. A lot of those correctable things kind of like things we worry about going into year two, or are they like they need, they should have been fixed already after week six of his rookie year. So, I mean, you're making that transition to become a, a rookie starter in this league. Some of that stuff might be things are kind of like tabling for off season Sure. Work. So I, I don't, I'm, I'm going to give the quarterback coach a little bit of a pass right now because I s- still think this was kind of rushed for him to start this year. I don't think that was their original plan. That's so maybe fair. they didn't, they might not have had, they might have had one plan how they were going to get him ready and they just went to plan B. So I, I think we got to, I, I would hold off on the that for right now. That's fair. Um, I, I don't know. Um, what, is, what is it that this team needs? Does it really come down to offensive line depth? Well, we said this about, I think, two weeks ago, I think before I went out. What is this team? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, offensively, I don't know what this offense even is trying to be. Is it trying to be a... You know, uh, a, a guy, a, a, an offense with a quarterback who can run a little bit and do a little RPO. And is it one that wants to attack downfield? Is it one that wants to pound the ball at Saquon Barkley 35 times a game? Is it want to be a, a faster tempo team? Does it want to be a slow one? I, I have absolutely no idea. So I think the first thing is this team just doesn't know what it wants to be to begin with. So to say, well, they need this and they need this. It's like they're just not identified yet. That's the first thing. Yeah. I do think that um, I, I certainly agree with you. I can't tell from week to week whether we are attacking downfield, if we're running the ball, if we're dinking and dunking. I, I don't know because it seems to be different every week. And each week it's not working. So I can't even right. tell, you know, what, what – Right. If, if a friend think. of yours came up to you, doesn't know anything about football and says, describe for me what the Giants offense is like, what do you tell him? I don't know. It's like, well, you know, like we got a really good running back and we have a young quarterback and you know, we try to we try to survive what the offensive line is right now. That's not a that's not a you know that's not identifying what you are, not putting your imprint on anything. So again, we're we're a year and a half into this coaching regime and we really haven't had that answer solved yet. And I think that certain things click sometimes. I mean, I think when whether or not Saquon Barkley is running well, I think the play action is something that really does work for this team and for this quarterback. I mean, we see it a lot with even last week we saw with a like a bootleg action. Barkley literally ran for like one yard total, yeah, and it still worked on a play action bootleg out and uh, throw to Rhett Ellison, which was a huge gain up the side of the field. Um, that I think, I think the two tight end and, you know, one running back kind of offense is sort of what this is supposed to be. And it's supposed to be a lot of running and play action. And, uh, I think that's what they want. 
And I'm not sure why it's not being done. It might be because blocking isn't letting them or, you know, whatever, but... Grump, this team also has to... You say, what does this team need? Needs to have some healthy players and so, well, healthy that, yeah. skill position players, too. I mean, it, they've been very unfortunate this year that Barkley was out for a great period of time. Uh, Sterling Shepard's been gone for long periods of time. Ingram's been out. You know, lots of guys have been out on this team, too, so you're never getting a flow. Golden Tate was out for four games. <laughs> we've never had a period of a couple of games where we've had pretty much, you know, on paper what this offense should be either. So that's – but, you know, that, that happens to all teams, so I'm not making that an excuse, but it's a fact. Yeah, and I think it happens to all teams, but it looks worse when it happens to rebuilding teams. I mean sure. – you're not, not going to see much progress, yeah, yeah, because the depth behind it is pathetic. I mean, I, I think this team needs to invest in their offensive trenches right now. I think that they need, you know, something to help Barkley run behind. I think they've done the right thing by drafting Hernandez. I think they did the right thing by trading for Zeitler, um, but they they still have nothing really happening at center. Uh, left tackle needs to get better. Right tackle needs to get better. Daniel Jones, while he needs to learn how to navigate the pocket and evade pressure, can't be under pressure every single play. Yep, yeah, yeah, you know, Grump, though, this offense is not a 2-9 and nine team offense. It certainly I mean, looks like it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones is not incompetent. I mean, no, we've seen, no, no, no. That's not what when I'm you saying. look at some of these other teams that are just, you know, look at Cincinnati. Look at Washington. Look at look at the Jets. I mean, these teams are they. Besides yesterday, of course. Yeah. Offense isn't the isn't the reason why this team is putrid. It's defense. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it's it's all over for me. It, I, I the twenty seven points. I mean, come on. You had uh, a screen pass that the Jets defended pathetically. That Golden Take took to the house. Uh, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not seeing a whole lot of offense. You know, last week against Dallas, we saw almost no offense at all in the second half. It was. I'm not awful. saying this. I'm not saying this team's a playoff team. I'm saying a two and nine team or whatever we are, two and eight. I'm just. I'm just saying. I better than it, that. It's. It's easy to say defense because they're not able to get off the field. Um. Yeah. But this offense isn't doing anything either. I mean, the first quarter, the Giants ran like three plays. They three and out. It's easy to say uh, the defense is bad because there's more tape of it being bad. But that's because when an offense is bad, it doesn't stay on the field. It comes right off. You know, um, you know, this is something bad as well, and it's getting worse and worse. Special teams. Yeah. Well, I won't say that they were bad this year. It was one of the brighter spots for most of the year. Lots of good punt coverage, etc. Aldrich Rosas has obviously taken a step back, and I'm, they need to figure out – how to help him. Yeah, he's gone from step back to sucks. I mean, the fact you can't hit an extra point. Three games in a row missing an extra point is... That's a major, major problem. We've seen it for weeks now that Zach Diossi's snaps have been not great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's why I start up by saying no one else has been bad special teams. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't just say to Rosas, but it's, you know, it's kind of a... It's been breaking down as the season has gone on. Yeah. It just feels like when you start losing, you really just start losing. And I don't have any confidence that – or inspiration from Pat Shermer that 
this is a guy that I feel comfortable can get us out of the funk this year or even going into next year. And I don't know, I don't know what his relationship is in his locker room, but uh, on the out, what he projects to the outside world is not good. Sure. Um, do you think it's a good idea to make a coaching change in the middle of this rebuild, as in at the end of this year? Just as a fundamental question. Uh, it depends on if they have a plan behind him. If they're like, hey, listen, we can get – I don't know. Throw a name out there of someone who would be, could be available. Jay Gruden. Eh, somebody that uh, – somebody that's like a, a, a proven winner who's either recently not coaching or – the Giants would spend a lot of money to pry away. If, so, if someone like that, they had a plan to say, we're ready to bring in this coach to replace. He has a staff ready to go. Then I'd consider it. Because you know something? If you just say, I'm, we're going to stick with this team throughout the rebuild, you could waste the next four years on mediocrity and not having the coaching end up hold up its end of the bargain between the GM, the players, and the coach to get better. Yeah, and I think and I'm also, with you. and also, I think when you completely lose the media and you completely lose the fans, you know, there's something to be said for that as well. Um, I I don't think they're gonna make a move the rest of the season because, quite frankly, there's no point to. What's the point? Nobody's gonna come in on an interim basis. They're not gonna win seven games the rest of the year and make the playoffs. You know. There's no, there's no point. Why make things even worse on this team for this year? Um, could a change happen in the offseason? It's possible. If Shermer and Gettleman are not on the same page of what they want to do going forward, Gettleman, I believe, would le- win that war, you know, that power struggle with uh, ownership. I think so too. I think he's actually held up his end of the bargain by accumulating talent. And yeah. clearing cap space at the same time. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm with you. Um, you make a coaching change if the if the right guy is available. You do it right. now. Um, otherwise, I don't think you fuck with what you've got going on. And I don't think I think part of quote the right guy being available is sticking with the same strategy that you have going. I mean, you're not going to suddenly take a, a. I think it would be unwise. I'll say to take a head coach that's a former defensive coordinator that runs a 4-3. You know, after you've just invested so much in a 3-4. Yeah. Or you know, something along those lines or a guy like a Ben McAdoo after you've just kind of devalued your outside weapons and you're trying to trying to value your interior weapons and and you know, winning in the trenches. I think is a silly move. Um it's it's just kind of you're spinning around the toilet there. But I think uh if the, if the right guy is available um, that stays within the same philosophy that you're trying to do, then yeah, sure. But again, well, obviously not in the middle of the year. Nobody, First of all, nobody's going to sign up for that um, middle of the year gig. And I, I don't know. I, I'm hesitant to tamper with a rebuild uh, you know, in progress. Well, well, what's the point of doing it in the middle of the season? I mean – Well, I mean it, no one's going to do it. it, it middle of the season is not going to happen. This coaching staff is not being judged on 
are they winning or losing based upon the talent? That's not what they're being judged on this year. They're being judged on are they getting maximum potential and effort out of these out of the roster they have now and maximum growth out of this roster. So well, yeah. to bring someone in that says like, well, if, if they if they feel like they've completely lost the locker room and they just don't like what they're seeing from a development standpoint, that's one thing to and they need to cut bait right now. That's one thing. I highly, highly doubt that's the case. Exactly. Yeah, you're not hiring somebody in the middle of the year. You'd essentially be firing in the middle of the year. Which exactly. Is, which is really throwing everything in the incinerator. Which is not what they're prepared to do. They just did that. They're not going to do that again. Right. And the fans want a move today because they just lost to the Jets. Lo- winning or losing individual games is not a barometer of is the progress of the rebuild successful or not yeah especially that sounds kind of it's counterintuitive and fans don't want to hear it especially when you lose an embarrassing game to uh, you know a, an your, equally embarrassing team right right who happens to live in the same stadium of you but it's almost like wins and losses don't at this point in the season don't matter anymore is this you know and you can make it you can make a case that this team just looks worse and worse each week you could also make a case that less and less players are playing each week. I mean, Barkley is right. half a human. Yeah. Shepard still hasn't been playing. Uh, you know, you've got three offensive linemen on your starting lineup. Oh, I didn't out. say it was. I didn't say it was the winning argument. I said you could make an argument for it. I know. I'm just saying. Well, okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it sucks. And if people don't want to watch the rest of the season, I understand. But those of you who continue to watch, I, I implore you. Keep listening to us. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I I implore you to see through the right lenses. You know, you're not looking to – there's nothing that's going to happen week 11, week 12 that's going to be a real obvious turnaround. I mean you want to look at little things. Um, One of the things that we've seen is Darius Slayton get better each and each week. He had a two-touchdown performance over 100 yards last week. He's pretty much and, – and without Evan Ingram, without Sterling Shepard to take attention away from him. Granted against a bad Jets de- secondary, but you know Daniel Jones wasn't really able to throw downfield very often. And he didn't have – Darius Slayton didn't have the benefit of you know big-time catch and runs like Golden Tate did. His was all – it should be good news for Giants fans that they seem to have found a gem late in the draft. A guy who is winning contested catches, winning with speed – you know, and didn't cost a whole lot to obtain. Does that count on the fire Gettleman ledger or not? Well, that's my point. I think yeah. Gettleman has held up his end of the bargain by accumulating talent and getting rid of some cap at the yeah. same time. Um, Pat Shermer, you could argue, has not held up his end of the bargain by, you know, cr- putting together a winning performance. Uh Is there blame to be shared by both of them? Oh, sure. Um Nevertheless, I mean, we're, we're going to have to see at the end of the year what, what the moves are. But there will be more moves. They just may not be coaches. Yeah. Um, we were also asked uh, if we would ever trade in the 2011 Super Bowl run for repeat playoff performances. And, and the context of this question is simply, you know, there are teams every year that get to go to the playoffs and they have that excitement every year and they're always relevant um, but they, they never quite win. Um, the Giants, on the other hand, came kind of out of nowhere in 2011. They, I mean, they were a good team in 2010, but 2009 was a shit year. 
2008 was a really good year where you know really bad things happened. But then everything after 2011 has been dreadful. I mean, really, just not good. Um, with the lone exception of 2016. Um, and I don't think that there's anything in the world I trade in for a 2011 Super Bowl run. I would. You tell me a, a decade without the playoffs or a Super Bowl win. I'll take the Super Bowl win. There are a lot of franchises out there. You know, ask Cleveland, ask Kansas City, ask Minnesota. You know, teams have been around for 40, 50, 70 years. Ask, ask the Cardinals, who would kill for a Super Bowl. Kill for Super Bowl. And, you know, that 2011 one actually, you know, still is kind of off the heels a little bit of the 2007 one. I mean, not many players remain from the two teams, but they kind of feel like they were a brotherhood of, of those two Super Bowls. There was you know, a strange sure. link between those two teams, like, all the way through the year, starting it's, with the, the, the two losses to start the season. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, we play – the whole reason for sports is to win and win championships. And, you know, it sucks that, you know, we are in a down cycle. The Giants haven't had a down cycle of this prolongedness really going back to the to, to the 70s. I mean, it's been a long time that they've been this bad for this long. Even Ray Hanley wasn't this bad, you know, in the early 90s. So, you know, to me, it's a no-brainer. You, 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 I'll take the one championship and I'll give up X amount of years of being bad before it, so. I mean, there there are a whole generation of Cowboys fans who have seen plenty of playoff seasons, especially lately, and they haven't even seen a Super Bowl. That's right. Yeah, I mean, there are how many Packers fans? The last Super Bowl was what, 2010? And they go well, to the, the playoffs every single year. Well, the Cowboy one's the biggest example because last Monday night, how many shirts and jackets did we see hmm. with five Super Bowl rings on them? And none of those rings were, were earned any time, you know, in the recent past. No. I mean, thinking about it, it's kind of crazy. It's, it's barely in my lifetime. Yeah. I mean, like, sure, there were like three in a row, and they're all in my – but there, I was really little. Um, what was the last one, 94, 95? I think it's 95. Yeah. It doesn't really like, matter, but that's the – Still point. in college. I mean, that's yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't – no, no way would I ever trade that in. I mean like like I said, the Packers are a great example because they have had what, 2010 and what was before that? Uh, 95 they made it. They lost to – or they beat uh, New England? Was that when they had uh, Desmond Howard and they won it? I think so. Yeah. And before that? Super Bowl two. Yeah. I mean and these, <laughs> this is a team that goes to the playoffs almost every single year. Well, I mean, it's the the argument always was when I was in college, you'd rather beat the Giants or the the Bills. When oh, Super yeah. Bowl, when Super Bowl four years in a row didn't win it. That you know who really wins in that scenario? Owners, because they get to keep selling postseason tickets. Sure, but I mean, you know, it's. Well, I wouldn't like, trade any of that. Not in, even no. not even postseason tickets. They guarantee regular season season ticket sales because the team is good and, and relevant. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And there's not. You know, prime time that, TV available. Yeah, that last giant game, week seventeen, 
There's going to be a lot of no-shows. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's a no-brainer. I know that people – this question comes up because the Giants aren't relevant and they haven't been for some time now. And I get it and I understand, but you guys need to stay in sane category. Um, like like you said, there are franchises that would kill to have one of those trophies and they have none. Mm-hmm. And the Giants are lucky enough to have four and all fairly recently. Well, the good thing too is, you know, we live in 2019 where, I mean, I'm a little older than the grump and I'm sure some of you people out there are old too, like me, but he basically had two games on Sunday. You had the Jets and you had the Giants. And if you had to watch a shitty Jet or Jet game and a shitty Giant game, you had nothing really to watch except for the Cowboys on Monday night. That's why there's a lot of Cowboy fans in the New York area. Now, you can watch any team. So it's not like we're living in football Siberia anymore where, yes, both local teams are bad, but you can enjoy football to watch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, we, God, we'd love to be relevant. We, I think we'd like to be sitting here talking now for 45 minutes about like the same thing every week about how bad this team is and hope for the future. We'd we like to be talking about, okay, if Dallas loses this week and we mm-hmm. win this one, we have a shot for the second wild card or, or to win a division. I mean, that's – yeah. That makes the whole reason like- we started this podcast, we haven't even been able to do it yet. <laughs> I thought it was just a bitch and moan. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that too. But, um, yeah, I just say, you know, having one Super Bowl, like Philly has their one Super Bowl, and they're going to be set for, you know, forever. We have four. <laughs> Think about that. I mean – Growing up, the elite teams, you know, the, the Phillies, uh, I'm sorry, no, they're not the elite. The Pittsburghs and the Dallases and the San Francisco's, they had the four. We have four, too. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's in such a distant past that, you know. They've all occurred in my lifetime. I asked Grandpa what it was like when uh, <laughs> Eli beat uh, New England again. It's, it's not that long ago, so. Now, if this podcast is still going 15 years from now and it's the same conversation, that's a different story. We don't have a sponsor by then either. I'm going to be very <laughs> oh, that That's pretty much all we've got for this episode. Um, the Giants have a bye week coming up, which means we will not have an episode barring some sort of breaking news as always. you know, That's just always the case. Um, I will, however, be more active on Twitter because I'm going to start my college breakdown stuff. We are now far enough into the year where there's plenty of tape available for me to start telling people what guys to key in on. Obviously, there's the Chase Youngs and Andrew Thomases of the league, but there's tons of other guys who go under the radar until draft lead up. Um, And it's something for you guys to watch on Saturdays. So that's what you can expect from me and I'm on Twitter at at football underscore grump for all that information I'm going to be re- continuing my resting and recovery in Jamaica for the next seven days starting Friday so when we do our Monday show you will hear the surf behind me as I am uh, talking about the Giants you can catch me at the cranky fan I'm going to be on intermittently this week talking uh Talking Giants, talking Knicks. It's been a for all you Giants and Knicks fans out there. It's amazing how we can have both catastrophes happen at the exact same time. Grump, I don't know how where you are the Knicks problems, but they're probably worse than the Giants right now with ownership, crappy talent, bad coaching. Ugh. So 
we get we get a double shot of it if you're a Giant or a Nick fan. So just follow me on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. We'll hold hands together and we'll see what we can do. It's it's been the story for the last couple of years now, so we're Brutal. used to it. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> um, and as always, this show can be found on any podcast network, including iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes. I said that already. You know. Google Play, iTunes, Google Play, <laughs> Spotify, Google Tunes, iTunes. Yeah, and uh, it has its own Twitter at Just Giants Pod. All right, everyone. We'll see you in the near future. Go Giants! Go Giants!